0: The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Autoria, Source Elements, and RSPE Audio Solutions.
1: Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers, and in this week's edition, I'm joined by Cameron Goward-Paul and Daniel Moiler. Uh, th- th- Cameron and uh, Daniel are both uh, vocal producers. This is what we're talking about. This is a relatively new kind of... I don't know should we call it a job title, role, whatever. Uh, But um, this is in anticipation of the MPG Awards, uh, which coincidentally Cam's nominated for the new category of Vocal Producer of the Year. Um, This is a podcast special on that subject. And, uh, I mean, I think we should probably... Find out a bit more about exactly who it is that we have on. So, um, uh, I mean, Cam, I just mentioned you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you came to be uh, where you are today, and uh, interesting things about you.
2: I tell you what, Dan and I have similar similar beginnings, right? <clears throat> I started at Psalm. Um, I won't I won't speak for Dan, but I, I started at Psalm a little bit after him. I think after you left, and I sort of we probably went through the same sort of process. I assisted for a little bit. I assisted Trevor Horn, and then I engineered for him for a bit. And then I sort of transitioned to engineer for sort of commercial sessions, right? Uh, And this was at a time when the old psalm was closing. um, Mm. And we were moving to a new premises on Labrick Grove, where the studios weren't the sort of big grand Uh, studios that we had at at Basing Street like you would find at Rack or Metropolis uh, or Mm. Abbey Road they were much smaller sort of production vocal tracking type rooms Um, so a lot of the engineering I did from about 2015 2016 onwards was mostly just vocals Um, and I I managed to sort of build some some quite solid relationships with artists at, at that point who Weirdly, and this really surprised me. Weirdly, they would come to the studio. Maybe they'd be in on a writing session and uh, they would write a song with, with a producer or some writers. And at the end of the day, they'd say, Oh, Cam, can you um, can you come in and, and we'll just cut a vocal quickly? Uh, and I'd, they'd wheel me in <laughs> and hmm. I'd hop in the booth, uh, sort of turn the mic on, put some headphones on. And then within like a minute, they'd be like, Wow, what? How do I sound so good? <laughs> mm-hmm. and i was i was I was always sort of taken aback. I was like, I uh, don't really know. Just uh, just got a nice reverb going. the mic's up, like gain staging is good, the vibe's good. Maybe the lights aren't on full power. there's a candle burning. Mm. It's just like all of these little basic things. And I sort of realized that artists must just be having a tough time cutting their vocals be it That's the mic doesn't sound good yeah. or the environment isn't right or they don't feel comfortable with whoever's engineering. Um And I sort of just realised – I'm rambling here – but I sort of realised that there was more to it than just putting up a mic and pressing record, right? You
1: are not rambling at all. <laughs> and, yeah, comfort, isn't that well, – I think we'll return to that. Um uh, Dan, you got anything to, to, to complement what Cam's just said?
3: Well, yeah, I think – I think, like Cam was saying, we're a bit, me and him are a bit like ships in the night. I think we've kind of had a similar, similar kind of starting point. We've even like worked on the same records together, but like never in the same room. So, um, yeah, I started at Psalm as well, just a little bit before when it was, um, yeah, when it was Basing Street and kind of was out of there the first time they tried to close it, um, which was actually really good for me. Cause I think like after two years of, being in uh, a studio environment, I was like shoved into freelancing. Mm. Like it wasn't a kind of uh, a leap of faith. It was a kick and it was like a really good kick. Um, and I started um, assisting for like mix engineers and stuff. So I um, spent a lot of time with a guy called Rory Cushnan assisting him. We did like loads of stuff like Mumford and Sons and Ed Sheeran and all that. And um, I suppose that's kind of maybe the start of, the vocal production stuff is that that was it was like very much tied into my job doing that i would have to sit down and like look after the vocals that we were given and whip them into shape so they were ready to mix if if that hadn't been done mm. already um yes yeah, so i suppose i kind of did a bunch of that and then started working at maloco engineering building up relationships with uh some um, some amazing producers that i still actually work with now um, and uh, just kind of gradually, you know, the slow kind of like build-up of work. <laughs> mm. um, as And I think maybe my kind of experience with vocal production is more tied into my role as kind of mixer engineer and like additional production. Mm. Whereas I know that Cameron, you come kind of do a lot of stuff that's like explicitly just vocal production. Mm. Um, is that right? Am I fair in saying? That? Yeah, I feel like you you do you do you do much more, or you kind of spread yourself out
2: across many more different roles,
3: or do lots of things very badly. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, but it's a kind of. I think, like, I suppose, I mean, you're the same in this industry, especially uh, in 2022. You kind of have to be like the jack of all trades in a weird way you had to, to do so much bit, like a one and like so one much stop about
2: shop in in a way
3: for for making yeah. a song and so much about vocal production is about like presenting a, uh, a kind of working mix of it isn't it if anything like this is what the final will sound like or close enough to yeah it. so that you're kind of giving uh i don't know the uh giving giving the artists giving the a&r kind of confidence in the material they've got i think so
2: it's like um, a, a good if if you're a producer you want your production to to slap and sound great because although you like to think that a&rs and and artists have have a vision and can see through the rough mix really if your mix mm, sounds wicked no <laughs>
3: uh it's gonna sell it yeah um I think the assumption that someone can see an unfinished thing or see something that doesn't exist yet is a really <laughs> dangerous one. <laughs> you're kind of, and we, I think I've fallen foul of that before, where you're kind of like, this will be good, trust yeah. me. Do you, you know, remember like, uh, um, Trev,
2: Trevor was always very careful about sending out like rough mixes or work in progress stuff? Mm. You must remember mm. this. I remember he would keep people waiting for, for weeks they would be. They would be calling up, and he'd be in the studio with us, right? And he'd take a phone call from the head of A&R somewhere, and then and you could hear they're asking to hear the song, <laughs> and and Trevor's like, yeah. "Oh yeah, I'm just, um, yeah, we're just working on it today, um, and it, I, we'll send it off this evening, uh, and then of course this evening comes, and actually you don't end up sending it for another
3: three weeks, um, just because he he won't. Yeah, it's it's good though because the second an MP3 is bouncing around. It's kind of being judged as well, isn't it? It's kind of like yeah, in a in a in a strange environment as well, where you know I don't know. Like I much prefer when people come down to the studio I'm just like come down and listen. We'll listen together. That was together. thing, be great. wasn't it?
2: Because once you're in the studio, then you can you can make apologies for
3: certain things, or you can explain <laughs> why something is the way it is. <laughs> yeah or they can better understand it because you know whoever it is if it's A&R or management or whatever they'll they'll come down and they'll be listening with the artist and the producer maybe even the writer and musicians and they'll like they'll feel the energy of the track and they'll understand and it that can almost like fill in the blanks if it's not yet mixed and mastered and ready they can be like oh i totally Get what you're you're doing now, rather than like a sterile environment at home where no one is. <laughs> you know, it's just them on their own.
1: Fantastic. Um, I, I want to I want to pick up a point that you made uh, earlier. You were talking about being uh, a jack of all trades and also talking about mm. specialising in vocal production. I'm going right. We're we're going in two directions at the same time. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with that at all. Actually, but it is a specialisation, isn't it? It's. I mean, what you were saying totally. about. Um, about the environment and the artist feeling comfortable and liking what they're hearing. And of course, if the mix is rough and they're trying to put their finished vocal over something that isn't finished, then that's possibly slightly odd. But then again, you need the vocal. Do you see what I mean? It's kind of like these things don't happen one after the other. They happen at the same time, but not completely. It's it's a slightly confused picture. It's a relatively new term vocal producer. But mm. I mean vocals have always been produced and there's always been a producer on a record or usually. Um, how does it how does it work in practice? What does a what does I've it... Do you feel a hat being put on when you are being a vocal producer? <laughs> um I should direct that at somebody but I, Cam you 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 started the last one. What 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 do you think? I mean, do you go, "Oh, I'm wearing my vocal producer hat now and this is what yeah. I'm doing." This is what I like I'm the way you
2: said all of these things happen at once. I think that's true. Um my yeah, my my sort of role as a vocal producer is usually to kind of collaborate a little bit with the artist in the studio and help them realize what sort of vision they have for the record or for the vocal on that record. Mm. And part of that is making it a comfortable space so that they can they can relax and they can be their best. Part of it is maybe being a sounding board for ideas. I find a lot of the time actually, people might have a vision for how they want a record to be, but usually it's it's kind of incomplete right so you need to go or the mm-hmm. artist needs to go through a process of sort of discovery and experimentation to figure out exactly what it is they want um and they need sort of a partner in crime for that and they might not want you sort of have to read the room a little bit they might they might not want specific direction but they might want a sounding board or they might want some feedback um mm. or they might want sp- specific things like harmonies or vocal arrangements or an approach to singing something or um, you spoke about sort of getting a, mi- a good mix of the vocals together at the same time. That's another another hat, another mm. thing that that you wear as a
1: vocal producer. Mm. Also, uh, Dan, anything to, anything to add to that? I mean, uh, how how do you how do you approach this? And is it all the same thing mixed up? And it's just someone's decided to to stick a badge on you when you're doing a particular <laughs> bit of what you see as one job? I mean, how does it work?
3: I think it's kind. Of, I think certainly my experience of it as well I mean it's totally bang on cam but is but it's it's also kind of like the finishing of the record' that like in this uh, you know in current pop music a lot of production is is a can be a bit of an assembly line in a in a I think in a positive way there can be like several different producers involved a track can get kicked around different stages um the demo is never really. I personally find the demo is never really the demo anymore. It's kind of just like the first iteration of the song. Um, And then it can go along this assembly line. um, And then you kind of get to the vocals, which are often the most important part. And it's like, how do we get the best out of this? How do we make this the best bit, this section the best bit? And so I suppose, yeah, to speak to how the role has come about it's probably because there are so many individual producers often involved in one single track. And maybe it's not their expertise, it's just not with the vocals. Maybe they're just amazing at the instrumentation or maybe they're amazing writers or yeah. whatever. So an A&R can be going or a manager can be going, we just need to get someone that's really good at doing this um, to kind of like tie a bow <laughs> on, on this production. I almost. think that's a great way of looking <laughs> um, at it.
2: It's, I feel like it happens it's, in sort of two ways. Like you say, there's a sort of linearity to it where I find mm. that I'm brought in sometimes, uh, like the, the record has evolved, productions have evolved, and then it reaches a point where uh, the label are like, right, let's send it off to mix. Um, but now it's it's like, <laughs> right, let's send it to Cam and see if he can improve on it, and then we'll send it to mix, which is f- which yeah. is fine. It's quite cool to to be a part of that sort of process. But like you say, it's quite um, linear. I think I used that word, but I'm, I'm paraphrasing what, what you were saying. Mm. No, you Whereas sometimes the I've much more fulfilling you. processes are where um, you're involved in a much sort of more holistic, creative discussion yeah. with multiple 100%. producers and writers and stuff.
3: 100%. Communication <laughs> throughout the whole thing is what makes or breaks it, even if there are individual, like, producers involved, the kind of talking and the working on it together, that is where it. I mm. think the stuff that I've worked on kicks into the next gear because you fully understand everyone's kind of, like, initial vision for it. Um, Cam, do you think, right, that's what I was thinking of earlier, do you think that the role has kind of evolved at the same time that producers, amazing producers, are not going through... The traditional studio assistant kind of um, way into the industry that you and I did, so that in a way, the kind of vocal production is maybe filling a. Uh, this is really broad, like a slight hole in expertise. Just because, like, I remember as an assistant, I would just sit at the back of rooms watching like amazing producer after amazing producer come through, Psalm, come through Maloko, come through whatever, and just see how they worked with different people like you chatted about trevor before just see like their approach to production their approach to vocal production and i would kind of try and absorb little bits of how to do it or sometimes how not to do it (laughs) yeah and i wonder if that is lacking a bit in in some areas i think yeah i think you hit the nail on the head
2: there is a sort of window now where yeah where, where producers Aren't starting life sort of as engineers or assistants, or in, or even in large studios. They're mostly creating mm. music sort of on on laptops or um, at home. So the traditional kind of skill set that maybe we have picked up, and maybe we're some of the last people. <laughs> At least the people who
0: came through SAM, the last sort of generation, (laughs) were like the last dinosaurs. Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, Three Delays You'll Actually Use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects, called the AudioFuse Creative Suite, is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces visit achoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use
1: this is really interesting just because something i've been trying to clarify in my in my head is kind of like exactly how does this work with the producer but producer is such a vague term these days because it has yeah, two two nice meanings to, me. to do di- to well, at least two different sets of people you've got the traditional record producer and then you've got the producer Uh, and they're both called producer. And this is something we've talked about on the blog before, about kind of, you know, you've got a generational gap of understanding about what the word is. Mm. But actually, this is very interesting, what you're saying, that um, what what you're doing in some cases is you're dealing with a producer in the modern sense who doesn't necessarily have the experience of the kind of the skills of how to record an acoustic sound using a microphone with a performer in real time with all of those variables that just don't really exist if you if you're dealing with um dealing with you know, creating a track in a modern DAW for example where yeah you know. It's uh, things that things are maybe a little more controlled. Controls actually, what it, a lot, a lot of what it's about. I wanted to kind of like touch on I'm reluctant to use the word procedure, but you've got to interact with an artist, make them feel comfortable, set up a suitable environment with suitable, f- suitable microphone and, uh, and fold back going to them with an appropriate, all of that stuff. But capturing the performance, can I ask you to speak about that? And then also what you do afterwards, because a lot of what I'm imagining we're talking about here is post, for want of a better word stuff that you're doing to the performance post capture dan should we go back to you what about the process of uh, the work that you do capturing and then doing whatever it is that you do to evoke a vocal performance
3: yeah so i think like cameron spoke really well about the initial environment of like you know having it to be and there's the kind of coaching that happens as well i suppose to a certain degree and we've like i think we've both worked with um lorna blackwood right she's comes from a kind of uh, she's a vocal producer that comes from like a coaching kind of angle into it she's a, a performer and a coach and she knows how to like the kind of physiological side of it how to open up someone's like larynx and do all that kind of stuff and get um, the artists in an amazing position where they can she perform. has fantastic kind so of that, like, tips to if, if someone's struggling with oh, something. Like it's, it's
2: like she, she knows it's mm. brilliant
3: <laughs> yeah it is brilliant. So there's that side of it, but then I mm. suppose you're talking as well more about yeah post production.
1: Was you were saying uh, the artist goes in there saying why does my vocal sound so good during the take? Well, mm. why does it sound so good? You're talking you're talking about setting the mic, gain staging, nice reverb, all of these things. Well, I mean, we considering considering the aud- our, our audience, we should we should probably at least refer to that in passing mm. before we start talking about uh, I don't know um, uh, the stuff that happens uh, further down. I the I reckon
2: road. Dan and I take a few things. For granted, and I've sort of started to realise this lately. In that, um, I, I, I feel like I sort of broadly know what sort of mic is gonna work, right? If if mm-hmm. like I feel like I have a good idea of what most of the main microphones sound like, right? And I and I know that I can I don't know plug a U eighty seven into a into a ten seventy three, and I could set the gain by eye. And knowing exactly how it's going to interact mm-hmm. with that, and, and the same on a, on a Co one B or an eleven seventy six, and I'm mm. actually I'm going off piste here a little bit, but that's something that I think is is quite important because for for me I'm hopping around different studios every day, and what I'm looking for is to sort of hit the ground running and eliminate as many sort of variables as possible so mostly so you yeah. commit
1: to disk you 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 you'd use some some hardware beyond a microphone and yeah
2: a compressor usually probably not very it. much eq but yeah. but just being able to look at a, a piece of gear that I use every day and use the same one not specifically because I love the sound of it but more because I I know exactly how different mics are going to interact it's gonna with work. the settings <laughs> on it mm. <laughs> yeah I went off piece
3: yeah, it's
1: not necessarily the time for it. time for experimenting with new Options when
3: you are hundred percent not when other you've other got a really nervous yeah yeah you've got a really nervous kind of artist waiting they're not going to kind of you know have time for you to do your mic shootout but of the course. other thing I suppose what you're saying Cam as well is like knowing what mics works with what vocal mm. like my favorite mics ever is is the you know the forty seven the Val forty seven it sounds amazing on most vocals but I've just finished a record with an artist that it totally didn't work with it was just not the one. It was just kind of like too much warmth and body. And so you have to know what mic's going to work well Mm. with that voice. Or there's a a band I work with where the guy kind of records (laughs) all of his vocals uh, with this. He, He won't wear headphones. He refuses to. So all the track is blasting out the speaker at full volume. And he's got an incredibly dynamic voice as well. So the only thing I can stick on him is an SM7B. Like, that's it. That's the only option that will work. Um, so I suppose that's something, mm. that, like you're saying, that I take for granted is is that kind of knowledge of what what tool. It's interesting best you in, in each you scenario.
2: Those mics as well, because I've I, I'm coming from a very pop uh, point of view. So when we're talking about sort of producers and working on the laptops and stuff. I would say most of the mm. music I'm I'm making or vocals I'm recording are, f- are for sort of pop radio records. S- so I have a totally different palette of microphones that I I like to indulge. <laughs> You're in. like I'd never use that stuff. <laughs> I love a forty-seven <laughs> and, a, and an SM seven. They are they are great mics. Um, but you know what? I find things like the two five one or a C eight hundred extremely addictive. Mm-hmm um Mm. (laughs) yeah i mean you
3: can get your hands on a c800 because they're so sort
2: of hyped right they're so thick and so bright that if you sort of work with those for a few days you like a few hours and and then i don't know the next session comes along and you're like right now we're going to use an sm7 or now we're going to use a 47 or a ribbon mic and it's just so wildly different (laughs) that Mm. i'm like oh I kind of wish I had the the two five one, and then I just go back to that because it's it's getting me what I'm expecting.
1: Um, but so the, there is a certain convergence that happens, mm. and it's because of time pressure and the situation that that professionals use these things in. Of kind of like experimentation isn't necessarily appropriate at all. And mm. I mean, there's a lovely quote that I, I forget who it was, but it's uh, but um, someone saying that uh, uh, the U eighty seven is everybody's second favorite mic. <laughs>
3: and that's not damning on this
1: on the 87 at all it's like i totally get what you're saying of like kind of like if this doesn't work that that, go with that it'll be great it's quite flexible yeah we're gonna have to mention software at least just because it's pretty unusual for a vocal to pass straight through as recorded all the way to release when you're doing what you do there's so much control available with with software whichever software it is that you're using but we're talking yeah tuning and timing correction and the, just everything you can do in a DAW is it easy to maintain a perspective of of how much is enough and how much would be too much is that context dependent what what do you think um i think i'll go back to cam actually what on on that one what do you um think?
2: you know it took me a while to sort of figure that out because you can you can bury your head in something and really grind hmm. and Hundred percent, you get to a, a stage quite early on where uh, it's diminishing returns, right? And you're just making things worse. Um, and I feel like everyone has this realization at some point. Um, mine was a few years ago, but but it was profound in that just like just trust your instinct, instinct, right? If you can, if you can yeah. do sort of twenty minutes on something and then get away, I'd work on something else go for a walk speak have a conversation with someone and then come back to it whatever you hear whatever you sort of notice straight away usually for me um, seems to be the thing that needs that needs looking at and and that applies to if you're if you're tuning something or if you're really manipulating something that uh, maybe you, you didn't nail it in the session and there's a little bit of sort of clean up mm. to do and your end goal mm. is something that sounds natural yeah. and not manipulated then it's it's really important just to kind of do little bits, get away from it, come back and do little bits. And my 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 goal is, is to work as fast as I can, right? So I, I race through sort of melodyning something just so that I can then go and like get a coffee and have a walk and then I'll come back to it and then <laughs> and then mm. I'll notice a bunch of stuff that's wrong with it. And I'll fix those things. But also there's a lot of it that is absolutely fine. <laughs>
1: hmm. You're, you're confirming what I thought, um, uh, Daniel. I saw a comment from you about uh, about oh, no. context, and you you said something that was really interesting, and it was about um, uh, vocals being perfectly in 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 time and in tune and everything, and uh, how for certain styles of music, uh, the the track is less forgiving of variation. Let's not call it out of tune, but kind of like human right. tuning. Um, particularly yeah. uh, stuff that would make synthetic coming from virtual instruments which you know, unless, you, unless you do something to them are by default you know, more in tune than for example a guitar or something uh-huh. else that has imperfect tuning um, yeah. it's an interesting point I mean it's uh, uh, to what extent is what you do to a vocal context dependent how
3: far you go with it, how much you do um,
1: not just in terms of time but also I mean, not yeah. just in terms of tuning but also timing
3: yeah no it's a hundred percent context dependent I mean all music is i think context dependent like as in how you treat everything you need to know what where where the song sits in like genre wise where it sits in the world, what playlist it's gonna sit on, what radio list it's gonna sit on, where is it gonna get played next to what is it gonna get played, and how is it gonna sound relative to those tracks so like some songs that you're going to need a really super tuned vocal like almost like over tuned mm. um because that's the kind of world that it lives in some tracks i work on if if i if i start tuning it it just sounds wrong it just sounds like it's it's just not meant to be it's, it doesn't live in that world so i think the context is is everything and i think m- maybe that quote is terrible when you, you People repeat things you said back to you, isn't it? It's <laughs> so incriminating. But um, I think I have this kind of weird theory, like you are saying, about perfectly in-tune virtual instruments. So lots of sampled instruments and um, synthesized instruments are perfectly in-tune. And that means that if you sit a vocal next to it that's not in-tune, it's going to sound really alien. Mm. Whereas if you've kind of got like a slightly wonky band with like slight little differences in tuning between guitars, or you've got a track that's just used, you know, loads of kind of chorusy effects, and they've mucked up the tuning deliberately. You can get away with a more like uh, free spirited vocal, I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah, context is everything. And like Cameron was saying, perspective is everything. And a little bit of
2: taste as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> totally. Trust your own taste and no, no, totally, it's like, and just knowing what works, and having, I listened to this, this is this creatives podcast, it's nothing to do with music, but it's about, um, it was about having a well-rounded taste, like having a good taste, and knowing what makes something good, and knowing why you like something, like, so, I think
0: trusting your own taste, 100%. The Production Expert Podcast is made possible using Source Connect Now from Source Elements, the free way to record high-quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect Now, you can. Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN-equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. It's
1: a, a very good point. Something that um, occurs to me, and I, I, I have no data. This is purely me, just a, a what <laughs> I reckon point. But I do think, and this is surprising, when you hear a tune from you know, maybe the 80s or something, pre auto tune effect is really what I'm saying, and um, how much more sensitive we've become to tuning. Yeah. And, and less tolerant of it. And that's me, having, someone who's having lived through that. And I'm thinking, somebody much younger than me, how strange it might sound. But there's certain records, certainly to me, that the vocal sticks out of like, oh, you wouldn't get away with that today. I mean,
3: um, and I think that's really, I was thinking about it today because I've been obsessing over um, Stranger Things soundtrack, right? Yeah. And I think with the 80s, it's particularly prevalent because. Because it, it sounds quite behind. modern. This is the thing. Sounds quite modern, and you've got the dawn of kind of like perfect instruments, haven't you, yeah, really? Where all the instrumentation is is really, really in tune, and computers are kind of being used to their full potential in music, and um, maybe you haven't got that quite control of the vocal with like tools like melodyne or whatever. So the vocals on those songs are often the thing Mm. that is out of tune, and it's brilliant and it's kind of perfect, but it's not. I I love it's
2: Some of those sort of pop records from the nineties through the early noughties. Like I feel like I think I was listening Mm. to Sugar Babes the other day. I don't know what it was, but one of their tracks, the vocals, don't sound particularly great. They're a bit pitchy, and the mix of them is very. uh, It just sounds (laughs) like there's no no sort of EQ or like very delicate compression on them. Mm. and I, I right. kind of like it. It's refreshing to hear, but it wouldn't stand up in a playlist along everything else that's, that's on the
1: radio at the moment. Uh, what about, you referred to the demo, and how the demo isn't it often isn't the demo it's it's just kind of like a, a first draft and it's it's a, mm-hmm. it's a candidate shall we yeah. say um they must take a bit of work if you want to encourage a demo into kind of like a r- release shape if you something i tell me uh, you must have experienced this um oh yeah so yeah
3: notable <laughs> points please Go on. you got of sighed when you said that I you think, were like
2: oh
1: yeah
3: oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Can, oh, no, can, that, that was with a smile it, it was definitely with a smile <laughs> I think there's uh, yeah there's there's one track I was thinking about that basically I was involved in this project kind of from writing to finish and the vocal was cut the finished vocal that is going, that is, has been released was cut the day they finished writing the song and it is is a killer vocal absolutely killer but then since <laughs> since that that amazing vocal was was performed and um so many things changed with the song like including the tempo so <laughs> yeah exactly so you've got the situation where there's no point trying to replace this vocal because it is the best it can be the performance was just magic so you've got to make it work with a ever so slightly different tempo Um, Without it sounding kind of like warped and like you know like a piece of elastic band, Um, but you get, get I get loads of stuff like that. Or the other classic one is you cut this amazing vocal in a big old posh studio, and then the singer's just like yeah, but that one line of that second verse from the demo. Can we just put that in there? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're, and you kind of like, yeah. And sometimes you really can't argue with it because for whatever reason, like they were just in the right headspace to get that emotion across mm. the vocal then, and they weren't in the in the final recording stage. So you're kind of like, now, now I'm matching vocals. Now I'm kind of like making these two completely wildly different do you have things. Any, any special sound tips like and tricks one? One. for doing that? Oh, just it's extremely I anything, laborious. I'd, I find it's laborious i had I had another one today where we done we did the vocal in in the lovely rack and then it was such a short turnaround that um one of the vocals one a, a new section was added for a, a verse that was done at home like on a laptop somewhere and i got sent this vocal and it was just like these sound so wildly different it's crazy um so I just ran into the studio and just like shoved it through everything that had a valve basically just to try and <laughs> try and like make it sound like it lived in the same world. And then I guess use any plugin at your disposal to try and get it working, EQ matching. I did. Mm. On a tangent, I was working on, on a record a little while ago and we
2: needed, uh, it was like the track was already a mix and I think we needed like, uh, we were doing a clean version of it and we realized that we hadn't, um, mm. sung the clean ad-lib that was at the end of the song. We'd done all the clean fixes for the, for every other lyric in this song except for this massive, slabbing ad-lib. Um, <laughs> so I I think I, I said to the artist, I was like, you know what, we don't have much time. Do you want to just try recording it as like a, a WhatsApp voice note? Send it to me. Let me see if I can make that work. Wicked. <laughs> uh, and it was it worked perfectly. And it, it worked perfectly. <laughs> just EQ'd it Amazing. a little bit. Amazing. <laughs> wow. You wouldn't know, but and you know it works the well with like an ad-lib because chances are it's like maybe you've crunched it up a little bit or it's got a big reverb on it. You can make it sound yeah. deliberately a you bit can...
3: different. Yeah, live in a different world. It um, sounds like
1: my approach to trying to colour match uh, cameras in video. It's like, oh, I'll just yeah. make that one black and white. No, <laughs> you know. no one knows. No one knows. Excellent, excellent. Um, well, time's moving on. This has been fascinating. Thank you both so much. <laughs> we should move on to uh, a quick find of the
0: week. RSPE Audio Solutions design, sell, and install professional audio and video equipment. Their team are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help, reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. Okay, so, um,
3: uh, Daniel, what is your find of the week? My find of the week is a band or an artist uh, from Brighton called Laundromat. And I'm just a little bit obsessed with them. I saw them down at Great Escape and it was just great. It just sounded brilliant. It sounded like nothing I saw like all festival. And uh, it's kind of lo-fi and it's a bit Beck, it's a bit Eels, but it's also like insanely modern and it's just really good, really good production. Check them out, Laundromat.
1: It sounds sounds intriguing. I shall do that. Excellent. Cam, what about you? Uh,
2: I wish I could choose something sort of wholesome, uh, like a like a record. <laughs> um, I'm going to lean heavily into Geek World. Uh, when Valhalla Delay came out, right, I saw that and thought that looks wicked. I'll buy that. And then I never did. Um, I I bought it last week, and oh my god, it's 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 wild right so with something like that you want to just you want something to that gives you ideas or like a little bit of chaos at the click of a button mm. and i just flick. i spent hours sort of flicking through the presets finding things i liked and then saving them saving them like cgp long freeze delay cgp uh, like wide echo um just so i have like a little it's kind of favorites basket of of mad delays i love stuff like that so um
1: Amazing. I'm with you all the way on that, I'm a big fan of Valhalla delay. My favourite's the Bucket Brigade. Mm. I really like it because mm. it's such an appalling delay. It just sounds nothing like what you put in, which is what all the best delays do. Some of them have like concerns,
2: a, like a yeah. ducking mode, right? Um, yeah, is that, yeah. I haven't got my head around that. Is that a sort of side chain compression thing on the feedback?
1: Uh, it's like a dynamic yeah. thing, so that uh, so that while input's coming yeah, in, it'll it'll push, push it down. It, yeah. But then when you stop, it'll bloom up into the gaps. And basically, you can use more of it without again. It yes, yeah, I, I love it. But, uh, yeah, very cool thing. Awesome. Mine, mine's uh, the uh, waterfall. Mm. I believe it's called the uh, Hammond instrument that UAD have done with Spark. And uh, I haven't got it. I haven't tried it. I saw a YouTube video about it, and there was a particular organ sound. I'm playing loads of organ these days on my Nord. And um, it's it, it's a bit of a journey. I don't think you ever get to know drawbars completely. And uh, I know mm. more than I used to, but I know far from everything. There's a particular sound in this that I went. That's the sound. And I was looking, and I was I was trying to get there, but I was doing it wrong. And it was just just freezing the video, going, "Where is drawbar set?" So love that, absolutely great. The, and the well, instrument it, sounded it,
3: good too. Is this Spark like part of their kind of you can use all the UAD but without the hardware? Finally,
1: that's right. Um, no, I, all of it isn't there yet, uh, but but some of it is. And uh, I, I don't know the extent of what the plans are, but I don't see any reason why they'd stop. But yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I, th- I believe it's uh, um, actually I'm not going to try to quote what's on it and what isn't because I'm bound to get hmm. something wrong. But yeah, that was I'll check uh, it out. We didn't expect that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh hello they've done what yeah, anyway nice. that's my find of the week thank you very much both of you uh, for this uh, this very interesting chat about, about vocal production vocals, and uh, all things vocal it's been great we'll be back next week with another edition of the production expert podcast